Welcome, everyone, to Healing Hope and Restoration. I'm your co-host, Tiffany. And I'm Howard. And Howard, we are in the second episode of our series called The Fundamentals, where we're providing our listeners with just foundational skills to become more healthy mentally. We are therapists, and we have like a whole big toolbox full of stuff that we help clients with on a regular basis and, you know, help ourselves with as well. And so we want to throw some of those out there with um, to help our listeners who may not be our clients at this point in time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, you know, with most clients we see in a professional setting, um, the issue is how to look at the consequences of our thoughts. Mm-hmm. Now, yes, things happen to us that are beyond our control. Uh, and we have to learn to initially cope with the feelings that those unfortunate events create in us. Absolutely. Never deny that. That's a lot of what the first few sessions are really about. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, it's about taking control of how we think, because where our thoughts take us is where our life will be lived. Absolutely. That is eloquent. And I think exceptionally well said. There is no way around becoming more aware of your thought life. And especially in the arena of trying to regulate your emotions, you have to practice that metacognition thinking about what you're thinking about. So I usually start by explaining um, to people I encounter that, you know, life happens, right? There are so many things that we are confronted with that we can't predict. And because we are in this world with other people, there's a host of things we don't control. We have difficulty sometimes even managing our own behaviors. So life happens and we're going to respond to that. We often Mm -hmm. respond with, you know, thinking about it and thinking more beyond just, you know, thinking about the facts of the situation, um, but thinking about, you know, what that situation means, what it means about me, what it means about other people, what it means about life. And we come up with these ideas and concepts that oftentimes can become a lot of our core beliefs. And then those thoughts oftentimes will drive our emotions, how we feel about a situation. It's not so much just the fact the situation happened. It's a lot of times our thinking about it that leads to a lot of our emotions. And we know emotions are very driving forces. They oftentimes lead us to do things, (laughs) hopefully make good choices, but oftentimes, or sometimes maybe not so much. Well, and and with that thought, Tiffany, um, there's a model that I used over the years uh, in clinical work to help people visually see what you just described. Mm. And this model I created goes this way. Meaning shapes memory. Memory produces thoughts and feelings. Thoughts and feelings create emotional responses. That in turn creates a behavior the behavior perpetuates itself, which results in some intermediate belief about myself and others, and then potentially a core belief about myself and others. Now, there's two quick observations I'll make, and I'll have you respond, Mm -hmm. is that, number one, um, I can't change the meaning that has impacted the memory. Mm -hmm. That's... That's historical. That happened. I can't change it. 
where I have to work on changing it is how I feel about it. How can I find a different perspective about myself and perhaps even the situation or the other individual in that arena? So I got to work in there a little bit. And then secondly, the core beliefs eventually come from my judgments and my personalizing of some of the stuff that happened that wasn't personal to me. In other words, it affected me, but it wasn't because of me. And if I can't depersonalize, if I can't find a space to land where I can manage a non-judgmental perspective toward all of this, then that model I just described becomes a perpetuating negative model where those core beliefs drive everything I do. And so then the consequences of my thought are the result of fractured relationships, broken relationships, and a disconnect from myself. Absolutely. Let's bring this down to a real practical example. And the examples I usually use are relationship-based. Absolutely. Our thoughts, oftentimes our negative thoughts come up in the context of relationships with ourselves and with other people. Yes. So let's say hypothetically, um, I'm using Billy and Sally, not because I know a Billy and Sally, because those are my arbitrary names. So Billy and Sally are in a relationship. Billy breaks up with Sally and he says this. He says, Sally, I really like you. Um, and I am really sad to say this to you, but I don't think we should date anymore. I have a lot of things going on in my life right now, mm -hmm. and I don't think I can give you the attention that you deserve. I really hope that we can be friends, but I understand if, you know, you don't want to be my friend. Um, again, I'm, I'm so sorry, but I don't think we should be together anymore. Okay. So Billy presents this and naturally there's going to be a reaction. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Pretty automatically, maybe sadness, frustration, yeah. perhaps anger, on Sally's part, especially if she didn't see this coming or, you know, didn't feel the same or didn't want it. And she's going to immediately kind of start to think about that. And anytime I've asked someone, you know, what are some of probably like these automatic, you know, thoughts that you think would come up? Mm -hmm. Almost immediately, people would say, um, I did something wrong. Right. That's self-judgment. Yes. Like right now. I must have done something. It must be me. Right. And that, that is such a off-kilter perspective. Okay. Yeah. That's the personalizing I was talking about. So I'm going to let you run with this because you're <laughs> on to something here with this. However, I'll interject this parenthetically. Um, when we personalize something that really wasn't because of us, then it becomes very difficult get, to get past the idea that we are broken and flawed. Mm. And if we feel that way about ourselves, not just about that situation, but we think we're one with that brokenness and that flawedness, mm. then how do we ever get out of that and realize, okay, maybe I made some mistakes, maybe this happened, but this wasn't because I'm an awful person. This isn't because I made terrible, horrible mistakes. This isn't because I lost my self-regulation maybe or <laughs> any other thing. But if I don't see it in a perspective of clarity, then I'm going to judge myself. I'm going to take it personal. And so then I become my own worst enemy at that point. On the flip side of that, we can make other people 
our worst enemies. Right. The other thing I hear is I said, are there any other thoughts that may pop up pretty automatically? And they're like, yeah, um, he's cheating on me mm. or he's doing something that is an, a really negative and he just didn't tell me the truth about it. And what I propose is like, why not just believe what he said? <laughs> right. That he's sad that things have come to this place, but that he has a lot going on in his life and he doesn't believe he can give to this relationship like he wants to and like he believes you deserve. Why not just accept that as it is? Why such a difficult thing? So I'm going to pose that question to you. Why do you think that's so difficult for us to accept things as it is at times? You know, I want you who are listening to think about that because um, I think it's a profound question and I think it's a core question to whether I can get past the ability to hear and believe on the surface. Mm -hmm. I think a natural curiosity with it is healthy, but if I don't arrive back at the place where I can feel confident that what I heard is what I heard and take it at face value, then my mind goes into this, you know, mode of assuming and conjecturing and jumping to conclusions and now spinning and creating a reality that probably does not exist. Mm -hmm. And I think the reason we do that is as much as we are into self-preservation and as much as we want to put our best foot forward with people and value ourselves, I think for most of us, because of the sinful human nature we're all born with, there's a tendency to circle back and believe the worst about ourselves. And then in turn, we project that as being then the worst in someone else. Again, I think that's very well said. And that spins us into an emotional state that can have us very, very dysregulated. And like you talked about, those emotions can further feed thoughts yes. <laughs> that then play out, you know, um, in situations in the future that perhaps are not even tied to, you know, this original situation. So if I'm thinking that I did something wrong, then a natural emotional response might be to feel ashamed. You know, there's been so many times when I have perceived, for example, in my own life that I have a close relationship with, uh, you know, people and in some public setting, they will not seem as warm mm -hmm. or maybe even speak other than just maybe waving across the room or something when we make eye contact, if I don't make a move to do any kind of conversing or coming up close to that person and that person appears to avoid me and maybe even appears to ignore me. If I go right away to what did I do? What I'm not doing at that point is giving that person, one, the benefit of the doubt, and two, I have no idea what they might be going through right now. What's on their mind right now? You know, it's, I know this is going to sound a little bit strong, but it's quite egotistical to think that we are the ones that create all the problem all the time. Mm -hmm. I mean, 
it isn't all about you. It's not. And so when a person does that, if you make a quick judgment and you say, hey, what's, are we okay? What's going on? And that person is blown away by that question because you being in an enemy status with them wasn't even on their mind. Mm -hmm. They now wonder, "Uh oh, what did I do to make you feel that way? And now you've got a mess, right? Mm -hmm. You've just swung a stick at a hornet's nest. It's better to leave that go. Let time play it out. In fact, this weekend I had a situation like that um, where that happened with some people. And then last night with those same people again, and everything was fine. Mm -hmm. So if I would have jumped to a conclusion and said something and made an assumption I could have created more problems, problems that didn't even exist. Absolutely. I kind of jokingly say I work with a lot of adolescents. I said, it's really easy for us to think that, you know, people are believing negative things or thinking negatively about us. Um, you could be walking down the hallway at school, you know, you pass someone that you believe is a friend and uh, you say something or maybe don't say something, just kind of give them like the what's up nod or, you know, kind of like the hey, because you both are going different directions and they kind of look at you and give you kind of like an odd look and, you know, keep moving. Um, you know, could it be that, you know, they were on their way to the bathroom and they're constipated and they're so attuned to their emotional state and how they're feeling right exactly. now that they're really not registering you. Right. And again, it doesn't right. have anything yeah. to do with you. It has something to do with what's going on with them at the moment. See, I always think you're safer to do that. Mm -hmm. you're, you're safer to depersonalize first and do a quick checklist in your mind. And then over time, if it looks like something's amiss, okay, go ahead and approach them. But approach them mindfully, not irrationally or, um, you know, emotionally unregulated. Just go mindfully and, and talk through it. But if we personalize something right away and assume it's us, mm -hmm. now our perspective is not about the other person, but only through our own lens. And you can't judge yourself, loathe yourself, dislike yourself, and ever have that come out well when you're trying to connect with someone else, uh, because your thought process, as we said, has consequences. Absolutely, folks. I hope you're jotting some things down, because there's a lot of nuggets that I think are being dropped in this podcast today. And uh, we were talking about, you know, personalization, which is an identified like unhelpful or unhealthy kind of stinking thinking type style. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's one in the list of like 10 that are pretty common to us. And so being able to identify those thought patterns that don't help and even how to balance those out or really to rectify them when we're processing a situation is so important because our emotions, like I said earlier, are very driving forces. And so they lead us to behaviors. So going with the example I gave, if I'm, you know, thinking that I did something wrong, and perhaps feeling rejected and ashamed, you know, d probably depending on even the bent of my personality, that may lead me to maybe seek a relationship again really quickly, to maybe to prove that I am worthy enough, or it may lead me to isolate and to kind of ruminate in that space that somehow I'm unlovable and have that turn into, yeah. you know, deep seated shame. And then I'm unable to see when someone genuinely cares about me because that block is there. Like, 
So it leads to a lot of things that end up causing us more problems. And really the great culprit is, you know, we talk about our processing or our thinking and the beliefs we formed behind situations that happen in our lives. Well, that is so true, Tiffany. And when we get in that space where I, I call it the mental treadmill, mm. where we're in that negative sort of uh, self-judging place, um, we end up um, proving, unfortunately, uh, what the scripture says in Proverbs. A more modern translation of this verse is, as a person thinks in their heart, so they are. In other words, you really are what you think. And if those thoughts are not accurate, grounded in reality, grounded in how God feels about you, and grounded in his seeing you as worthy to be called a friend, uh, as both Proverbs and in the New Testament Jesus affirmed, a friend loves at all time, God loves at all times, then um, we're going to suffer the consequences of that thought process. We undoubtedly will. So we've really got to check our thoughts and be aware of what it is that we are thinking. And you know, as therapists, we all have our sayings. And I say frequently, let's sit with that for a moment. Like before we move on from right. where we are, let's, let's just sit in this. And again, let whatever come up, come, let it come up because oftentimes we move on so fast from something. It's like, I don't know why I did that or I behaved in this way and I don't know why. Like, why not sit long enough to actually answer that question? Mm -hmm. And we do also have to question kind of where our thoughts actually come from because one, we have a real enemy in this world and our thoughts don't always originate with us. There's a lot of um, like mediums that are like fighting for influence in our lives advertisements, people, opinions, um, music. Um, I mean, it's, it's countless. So to think that, you know, one, every thought that pops in your mind is true because you think it, I think is very dangerous. It is. And to think mm -hmm. that every thought that pops into your mind even originated with you, I think is also very dangerous. You do have to question where they're coming from. Yeah. So that's where, especially with teenagers and young adults I work with, and adults too, so this applies across the board, we do need to check the avenues by which you know, ideas and conscious thought are filtering in. And sometimes we have to shut some doors to things that are not helpful. Well, that's well said, and, and it describes um, fluid memory. You know, memory is not static. It's fluid. And there's good news and bad news in that. The, the bad news is you can get stuck on the treadmill and can't get off it. The good news is that if you can get off the treadmill and get on a, a good path, then fluid memory becomes an asset to you rather than a deficit. And can you flesh out when you say fluid memory, what exactly do you mean? So I'm going back to that model where uh, the meaning will shape the memory any moment in time. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be traumatic or big, but anything, which then produces thoughts, which produce feelings, which produce emotions, which then perpetuates some kind of behavior which results in an intermediate belief about myself and others, and then finally a core belief about myself and others. So if that model is 
is a deficit model, that means I'm locked into the negative thinking, the distorted cognitions mm -hmm. about the event and who I am. But if I can step out of that and find my way through it, parenthetically, Psalm 139, what God thinks of me, mm -hmm. and I start with that, then I can put a different perspective on it and separate what is me from the moment from what is someone or something else. Absolutely. I like that. I think that's so important. So, you know, we've been talking about, you know, as we work with clients and we dig into our toolbox, at the end of the day, you really can't get around our thoughts. No. Like, we have to be able to tune in. We talked about mindfulness in the first episode and, you know, being consciously aware of what's happening in the moment and even what's coming up for us. And um, when we can tune into that, then we're, we're better able to kind of gauge where we are, identify, you know, yes. um, any unhelpful thinking styles in there, you know, from personalization to generalization um, to minimization. I mean, there's so many. Um, and then we can actually do something about it and um, which leads to greater ability to regulate our emotions. Yes. Um, and increased capacity to, you know, interact on a healthy level with other people. That's so important. Yes. So, so many tools in this toolbox, thoughts are hugely important. And again, I think I said in the first episode, so many of us struggle with our thought lives and this, I think, very erroneous belief that we have no control over it. And I, this is not an original saying, you know, many of you have probably heard it before. It's like, if you're outside, you cannot keep a bird from flying over your head, mm -hmm. but you can keep it from building a nest in your hair. If you think about it, you have yeah. to be exceptionally, you know, still for it to land and, you know, continue to build and really allow it to settle in. And that's just, you know, an example of thoughts will come. You'll be yes. bombarded with a lot of things presented to you that you can attach to, but you do have choice in what you lock into and you allow to really kind of sit and nest in your mind. Yes, absolutely. Well said. Well, thank you folks for joining us for this second segment of our series. And as always, God bless. And shalom. The information contained in our podcast and on our social media pages is for informational purposes only. All views expressed are solely those of the individuals involved and do not represent the opinions of any entity whatsoever with which we have been, are now, or will be affiliated. The information is not meant to diagnose or treat any mental health condition. If you are experiencing mental health symptoms, we encourage you to contact a mental health provider in your community. If you are experiencing a mental health emergency, please call 911 or go to the nearest emergency room.